Support for Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom is brought to you as always by Manscaped for all your male grooming needs. We want to say thank you to our listeners who continue to support the podcast by shopping online at manscaped.com and getting 20% off your entire order with the promo code SUNNYNKC. You guys have helped us fund this podcast and keep bringing you guys Chiefs content every week, so we appreciate that. You already know about the Lawnmower 3.0, the best hygiene tool for the modern man with patented skin safe technology that makes getting nicked a thing of the past. But they also have a nice nail kit called the Shears 2.0, which has tempered stainless steel tools, including slash tip tweezers, round point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. I'm a personal believer in these products, and if you're frustrated with your electric razors running out of batteries, becoming dull, catching your skin, you owe it to yourself to try out Manscaped. Just remember to use promo code SUNNYNKC to get 20% off your entire order. Manscaped, take your grooming game to the next level. Now back to your regularly scheduled programming. So I feel like 11 Franks versus 11 Charlies, like obviously Frank has the weight advantage right off the bat. That's the yeah, first the thing I think he's of the muscle. is, yeah, Frank's the muscle. He's got, you know, I don't know how Charlie playing football against Franks. I don't know how the Charlies would ever bring him to the ground. I mean, I, I it, all Frank would have to do is kind of form a wedge and run right down Charlie's throat. But on the other side of the ball, if Charlie ever gets one pass past, past one of those Franks, I mean, clearly he's got the speed for days. He's gone. And speed, Taylor, has everything to do with it. <laughs> the thing is, the thing is, Taylor, what you're really evaluating here is we've got the muscle versus the wild card. Yep. And the wild card is capable of anything. You know, he's just he's standing up there, he's looking crazy, like he's capable of anything. The muscle is the muscle. Now, the other X factor, I think, is that Frank is well known to be the best at scheming. Yes. And and I think he could cook up, you know, he could cook up, uh, he could cook up quite a bit of schemes. You know, he's also, we, we've discussed the morality of the Always Sunny cast before, um, the cast of characters, the gang. And Frank definitely is, uh, he's definitely a Belichickian figure <laughs> in that he would do anything to win. And Charlie, what? I think, I mean, you know, he's, he's such a, he's a, he's like the only good soul on the entire show, really. And mm-hmm. Despite his uh, his immensely tragic and strange upbringing, you know he has a he has a pretty good heart. Frank, on the other hand, has no, no heart. No, none at all. And you know, Frank's got the he's got the scheming. He's got the finances. You know, like he could he could probably pay for some <laughs> pay coaching or yeah, yeah, pay the refs off. Exactly. I mean, there's he's got a lot of advantages. But Charlie is a survivor. He's he's a scrapper, right? He, he yeah. can and as we know from hundred dollar baby he can take a lot of punishment he can he may not have the weight but he certainly can take a beating and he can roid up and you know go out there and be all enraged and run right around frank and um so are so if we're picking like a final score for 11 franks versus 11 charlies i'm gonna say it's like in a 60 minute football game i'm gonna say it's like 63 49 charlie uh, that seems fair. I think it would be a high scoring game. Now, what if we expanded this though, to the entire gang? Because once you hmm. start introducing the other characters in the mix, now, obviously, you know, D is probably the fastest character. She's, she's known. Yeah, to, but her bones break like glass, but her bones shatter like grass as soon as she steps onto the field. So that would create certainly some durability issues. I don't know how deep is it a roster of 54 or 53. Sure. Bees, yeah. 53 a full game day roster. Yeah. Yes. Well then in that case, I mean, I feel like I'd take the speed all day, right? Because you're going to get some guys hurt. Like they're going to get knocked out. They're gonna but, blow D up. Yeah. Well, yeah. But you know, D with the, the, the speed, 
I don't know. I mean, if you've got uh, 53 players to burn through, I don't know. I mean, that that depth could be uh, could be used to your advantage. Now, I feel like so who's the most physically able among the group? Is it Mac or is it Dennis? Well, I guess uh, we which it, Mac. It's it current Mac. Yes, right. It depends current on which Mac era. Would certainly be current Mac. Yeah, it depends on which era of Mac. Is it Fat Mac? Is it pre-Fat Mac, just normal Mac, or is it you know like jacked Mac, the post-Fat Mac? You know, the one that <laughs> learned how to dance and yeah, or all you, Mac. if you could use all of them, then the Macs they would, would be clearly Mac win because they, they would could have, have five Mac Fat Macs on the, on line. the offensive <laughs> line and the defensive lines. Yeah. Try and move me, bro. And Jack Mac running it. And, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, if you can use all of their different variations, Mac would be the clear winner. But, you know, none of these teams would hold the candle to 11 Patrick Mahomes's. Welcome in, everybody, to It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom. It is Jets Week. Okay. Question we're going to talk about that, but we're going to talk about the Broncos first. We're going to dunk on the Broncos for the majority of this episode. We are going to talk about the Jets game a little bit, about as much as the Jets deserve to be talked about, which is not very much. We'll probably spend as much time talking about the Jets today as the Jets will spend competing in the game on Sunday, which is to say about mm, three or four minutes. We have a special guest here this week. Sam Hayes is back. Sam, say hi. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. What are you up to these days? Well, mainly writing the articles, watching games, hanging out with friends as much as I can. Good stuff. We're glad to have you. And here you you went ahead and plugged for me our parent website, Sports Illustrated, Chiefs Arrowhead Report. Go follow them on Twitter. Check them out on the website, and you can catch our podcast every Friday. Taylor does a little column. I have not been doing any writing lately because I am busy as shit, but someday I will get back to producing content just like Sam does. We're excited to have him here on the podcast. And Taylor, you Twitter have Twitter at Wichita Chief Sam or That's PFF right. under Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, really, um, yeah. if you want to pop a quick follow at PFF underscore Sam, that's that's you, right? That's PFF underscore Chiefs. But PFF <laughs> underscore Sam is another good one to follow with Sam Monson. He is. And uh, a fun podcast as well. I love the uh, the football talk with the British accent. It's a uh, it's a fun little it's a fun. Little oh, twist. yeah, absolutely. Fun little twist. So, boys, uh, let's get let's just jump into it. Let's let's get into this Broncos thing. And I just want to kind of set the stage here because. As you all know, I live in the state of Colorado. And leading up to this game, it was fun just to get the pulse of uh, the Broncos fan base. And I can tell you whether it was on the local radio, whether it was on the websites, you know, Mile High Report, the the Twitter accounts, etc. The mood was very optimistic. You know, they just come off of beating the Patriots, which, you know, up until this week seemed like it was a big accomplishment. <laughs> And, 
you know, Drew Locke was back and he was healthy and, you know, Drew Locke went four and one as a starter last year in those games. So, you know, this was going to be uh, this is going to be a big measuring stick game for the Broncos. See how they stack up against the defending champs. I mean, sure. One of those losses that Drew Locke had last year was to the Chiefs in a snow game. They got absolutely pummeled in that game. Drew Locke looked terrible. Patrick Mahomes looked amazing. Gave us that great mic'd up segment. This was this was as hopeful as the Broncos fan base has been all year. And it feels like we've seen this movie before, because if you rewind to 2019, the Broncos, you know, they started off 0 and 4, I think it was with Joe Flacco. And then they won a couple of games and they're feeling, feeling themselves. They're thinking, well, all we have to do is beat the chiefs. And then, you know, we're right back in this thing. We, we can compete in the division. We're, we're ready to go. <laughs> Fellas, that is, that is not how this game turned out. Total fools. No. And, you know, last year they even had the benefit of not facing Patrick Mahomes for three quarters of that game, and they still got punked. And then um, obviously got repunked again when they came to Arrowhead. They got punked <laughs> when the Chiefs just visited Denver again. They just, all the Chiefs do is punk the Broncos. They've it's punked just constant. Them That's 10 times in a row, in fact. It's 10 times in a row. And, you know, it's not really been particularly close in most of these games. I mean, they have, especially recently, the Chiefs have just outclassed them at every step. Um, this game was hilarious in a number of different senses. It was so relaxed on offense. They, the offense didn't need to do anything. The Chiefs' number one threat to every team is their offense. And their offense just completely coasted because the defense and the special teams, which hasn't always been there for the Chiefs, completely stepped up here and made a bunch of great plays, had two touchdowns, were just all flying all over the field. And these Broncos look bad from top to bottom. They look bad at the GM. They look bad at the head coach. They look bad at the quarterback. And they look bad in every player after that, they just don't have much that a lot of teams would look at and be like, man, I wish I really had that Bronco on my team. There's just, there's just not a lot there without Von Miller. It hurts them obviously. And then like Justin Simmons is a great player. And even he had a couple of rough plays with uh, the touchdown that Tyreek scored where he broke a tackle against him. Uh, Very athletic touchdown by Tyreek, by the way, beautiful touchdown. I, I was very quick to praise it on Twitter, like specifically because Justin Simmons was the guy uh, trying to tackle him. So for to break that tackle was very good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the the Broncos just don't have it at most of their with most of their roster. With, Melvin Gordon lost two fumbles. He looked terrible. Melvin Gordon was awful. World's worst flea flicker of all time. Yes. Yeah. Way yeah. too much flick. Yeah. Not enough flea. Too too much flick. Not enough flea. Yeah, and you know, Locke, he just he just sailed a ton of passes. He really looked um disheveled. He threw two picks. The the one to Sorensen, um, there was a good post of all of Locke's uh pass locations throughout the game, and it was just shoved everything was to the right and at the line of scrimmage, like 10 or 12 just dots right around there. And one of them was the red dot where Sorensen intercepted it. So clearly he p- figured out the tendency that when Locke gets in trouble, he just bails out and throws it short into the right. And Dan picked it off and took it back to the house. There was a stretch here with like, I think it was 12 game minutes. I want to say where Patrick Mahomes didn't touch the field between the kick return, which by the way, Byron Pringle needs to be playing all the time. Am I right? Yeah, he, he, yes. he's incredible. Yes, he he needs to he needs to be on the field 
the majority of the plays for sure, easily. Especially when Sammy Watkins isn't playing, because honestly, he's he brings a dynamic at wide receiver that I I find very helpful, and certainly on the the return game and and then fielding the punt that he downed at the one. I mean, his performance on special teams, he pretty much single-handedly brought the Chiefs from 29th in special teams DVOA to 24th, boys. That's a big jump. In Moving one on week. up. All thanks to Byron Pringle, special teams player of the week in the AFC. And Tommy Townsend, one of the two best punters in the NFL. Yeah, Tommy Townsend's been bombing them and, and getting them exactly where they need to go. I mean, they really have turned that situation around. We knew they would. Um, they couldn't be as bad as they were all year long. There's too much talent um, at the special teams. But they uh, they got McCole Hardman going early in this game with some passes. He had two catches for 57 yards on the first drive of the game. So he was really um, you know involved early, which is good to see because he was kind of having some struggles. Um, can we talk about Nick Kaiser or should we not even mention him? I mean – I actually would like to mention Nick Kaiser. Nick Kaiser had <laughs> a bad game. He, he he did have a bad game, but uh, he still had a couple good plays that I uh, that I liked seeing. And I it's tough to see it because I mean we do need another tight end besides Kelsey making plays, uh, just occasionally, rarely, every once in a while. And he he might still be the most capable out of the backup tight ends that we have to do it because like. Last year, I was advocating for him to be on the roster because of his preseason performance. He was really good in the preseason, and I wanted Kaiser on the final roster. That didn't happen this year, uh, last year, but it seemed to happen this year. And yeah, he's been given the chance, and he's made some errors, and that's unfortunate. But I do like having Kaiser as either the number two or number three tight end. He's looked pretty bad recently, though. He's had definitely some really bad major lowlights in his time this year uh what about kelsey only getting three targets are we is that an aberration it is an aberration we've it, seen it is it every is game in kelsey's career that was just they the broncos clearly focused on him didn't want him to beat him and tyreek got 10 targets because of that um and yeah i i think you know with patrick only throwing 23 times, which is the lowest in his career number of attempts for a non-shortened game. Obviously, his lowest was the last time he was in Mile High Stadium, but um, 23 attempts. So he didn't really have too many opportunities to spread the ball around like we're used to seeing. But um, in general, I thought um, I thought Clyde looked pretty good in his kind of limited role. His touchdown run was sick. I mean, he he went through basically all 11 guys on defense. And how about our, how about our new guy? How about Le'Veon? I am interested in seeing uh, more from Le'Veon. He's, he's definitely obviously still got it. It, The only reason that he's in this situation is because he went to the jets, but it just also goes back to the whole argument that I have to go back to with running backs. Don't matter where it is. The offensive line who is uh, creating a lot of production for these running backs. Now the running backs can, extend upon it with like Clyde did in his touchdown run, which is extremely impressive. It was a fantastic run. Uh, and I think basically every avoided tackle he had in that game came on that touchdown run. Possibly uh, he had like three <laughs> or four, he had like three or four avoided tackles on that run and he had four in the game. So it might've all came on that one run, but uh, yeah, Le'Veon he's, he's still at least close enough to the guy he was in Pittsburgh to where if they keep blocking for him the way they are, uh, Le'Veon is going to produce Clyde is going to produce and 
basically every running back on this roster would produce. Maybe not as much as Clyde and Le'Veon, but still produce. DeAndre Washington well. season. Yeah, well, DeAndre Washington, uh, yeah, he didn't do much in this okay. game. But we saw previously with Daryl and uh, Darwin both looking good in uh, the game last week against Buffalo. Uh, yeah, that any running back on this roster can produce if the offensive line is doing what they're doing. Here's all you need to know about Le'Veon. And I tweeted this out during the game, but Le'Veon had in his two seasons, you know, one and a half seasons, he had some injury shortened seasons with the Jets, 264 carries in 17 games. And on those 264 carries for the Jets over 17 games, he had two rushes over 15 yards running the ball. And his first touch in this game, his first touch as a chief went for 16 yards And then he had another 16-yard run later in this game. So he now has, on six carries for the Chiefs, (laughs) as many 15-plus-yard runs Mm -hmm. as he had on 264 carries for the Jets. So And and more 16-plus-yard carries. His second second biggest with the Jets was 15 yards, I think. So yes, it's it's incredible. I mean, this is why we're not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about the Jets, because... The Jets are uh, historically, they're a historic dumpster fire. They're they're a pit of despair. And mm-hmm. Le'Veon, I thought, I mean, his first touch, like what I was concerned about with Le'Veon was not the vision and the patience, because obviously that's not going to go away. That's not a physical skill. That's a, that's a mental skill. That's just his ability to move with the ball and see the gaps and, and be patient behind his blocks and kind of pick his way through the hole. But once he got to the second level, he had some juice. I mean, he didn't run. He couldn't take it to the end zone. But, you know, Le'Veon's never been – he's kind of a little bit like Clyde in that regard. He's never been a super fast guy in in the open field. But his ability to make people miss and get into the second level – and frankly, that's part of the reason why, even at his peak, he was never scoring a tremendous amount. Like his career high in rushing touchdowns is nine – with a really good Pittsburgh offense in 2017. But, you know, he was never going to score, you know, on, you know, 80-yard runs or something like that. He's not really a home run hitter. That's not really his game. But his game is to break off 8, 10, 12-yard chunks and then, of course, be a factor in the pass game as well. And we didn't really see him. We didn't see him get a single target in this game. We saw him. uh, He did run a couple of routes, I think. Sam, you might might check my math on that. But I, I think he did. He did get a couple of routes in, but the juice he showed in the run game to me was really encouraging. Like I not having watched a lot of Jets football, uh, just being honest with you guys over the past two years, um, you know, I didn't really have a great sense of how much he was going to bring to the table there, but I was impressed with what I saw for sure. Yeah. And he had a, um, a couple good pass protection pickups, which is something that he's been lauded for. He had a couple um, whiffs too. You know, his whole, well, everybody had a couple whiffs. Sure. They're Broncos. D-line looked pretty nasty. I mean, they they were getting after it for sure. I think that's the only place that they actually came to play on uh on that day, but you know, it was it was really encouraging uh to see. I know there have been a lot of quotes from Patrick after the game about talking about his mentality in a game like that and how earlier in his career he used to kind of force some stuff even when things were going well and even when the defense and the running game was working he would still kind of feel like he needed to go out there and make throws and he talked about after this game like yeah I'm kind of learning that 
um, you know, it, it's okay to hand the ball off and it's okay if your defense is out there scoring touchdowns for you and stuff like you don't need to put it all on your shoulders. And that's why um, I just feel like this chiefs team is so much more well-rounded. Uh, I know Seth Kaiser had a great um, piece that he wrote this week about that same thing, but just in general, um, I, I just feel like my, my confidence level in this team continues to stay high throughout this whole year. They haven't really done much. Even after that Raiders game, I wasn't super down. I don't know about you guys, but I just feel like they match up with everybody. It's very nice. Yeah. I, I think that they, they can play with anyone. We, we saw it in the Ravens game, the way they smoked the Ravens. It was a uh, extremely impressive and the Ravens, the, the Raiders game was just a, a blip in the radar. They'll, they'll destroy the Raiders in Vegas most likely. And the the game to look for is the Bucks game. The Bucks defense. No kidding. Bucks defense is spectacular. They now have as loaded of an offense as we do, if not more loaded. Uh, it's going to be the game of the year. You think AB makes an impact there? I I would have to say yes. I it's going to be. It's tough to say a month out, but it, I have to say yes. Yeah, we're going to be hitting the Bucks at just the right time for him to either be fully integrated in the offense or off the team and uh, back on the uh, commissioner exempt list for whatever boneheaded <laughs> nonsense he's doing. Or, you know, four weeks is a long time. He could uh, he could certainly introduce COVID into the locker room. Um, that's been a big uh, big pet theory of Therese Paler that AB is going to botch the COVID protocol, which he certainly, you know, I mean, the man Lost that brought us helmet gate last year. I mean, come on. Um, and freezing his feet off. Well, yeah, sure. No, I know. <laughs> He's a crazy man. <laughs> he we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to the Bucks in a month. I, I want to circle yeah. back to the Broncos. And I we've kind of talked about all of the performances that stuck out in this game. There were many, whether it be offense, defense, special teams, the offense being the, you know, bringing up the rear in this game. Um, yeah. But I want to talk about the aftermath of this game because – we talked about kind of the the atmosphere coming into this game in Denver, and I've had the joy of listening to you know uh, Mark Schlereth among other people on oh the local boy. radio here the the last couple of days, just on my way to and from the courthouse, and you know the the post game comments too. I, I, we'll get into kind of the the radio guys, the radio talking heads and kind of what the, the overall atmosphere in Denver is after this game, because it's fun. And you know, this podcast is about having fun and this is a fun game. We have to, we have to bask in rubbing our division rivals face in the dirt, but I want to talk about the post game comments that were made by the Broncos because Garrett Bowles came out after this game. And let me start by giving Garrett Bowles some props. I guess Garrett Bowles was a whipping boy here in Denver up until about three weeks ago. He's having by far the best season of his career. He was terrible, flat out terrible. Yeah, Uh, yeah, it is a low bar, but he's cleared it by a significant margin. I mean, really good performer this year at tackle. He's he's eliminated the penalties. Uh, You know, it used to be that every other play for Garrett Bowles was holding. I I sent out a uh, Valentine to one of my coworkers who's a, a former college offensive lineman. And, uh, you know, it was a, a Valentine that had Garrick Bowles and said, you know, I'd love to hold you or something like that. <laughs> it was great. It was very uh, good. I uh, I told him to send that to his well fiance done. last Valentine's Day. But Garrett Bowles comes out after the game and is asked about the gap between the Chiefs and the Broncos. And again, 
leading up to this game, you know, the prevailing opinion here in Denver was there's there's not that much of a gap. You know, we had Drew Locke now. He was 4-1 as a starter last year. He beat some bad teams, including the Texans. So, you know, he he's good. We're good at the game now. Garrett Bowles is asked about this after the game, and he has the audacity to say that he thinks that the Chiefs are, quote, neck and neck with the Broncos. The Broncos are neck and neck <laughs> with the Chiefs. And then Justin Simmons is asked the same thing, whether there's a, that big of a gap between the Chiefs and the Broncos. And his response is no. I mean, no. So, boys, wh- what are we doing here? Wh- what's, what's, what's going on? Here's my thought on that situation. I am not a super big fan of people making a big deal when athletes talk their team up. I, yeah. I don't – what are they supposed to say? Is he supposed to say the Chiefs are way better than us? Yes. I mean, it's a uh, – he's not, though. I, I wouldn't expect our guys to say the same thing in that situation, and I just feel like he was set up – I mean, look, they're obviously not. You don't even need Garrett Bowles' opinion here. All you need to do so. is look at the last 10 games. I mean, clearly the Chiefs are are in a league above the Broncos. They're not just barely – I mean, yeah, it's, it's not close. So – for him to say that, I just feel like you have to kind of be an alpha dog if you're an athlete, and you have to kind of go out and tell everybody I'm the best, my team's the best, my guys are the best, because if you don't, it pisses people off, and and I'm not going to make a big deal about it. I, he knows he knows the Chiefs are way better than them. He just got his ass kicked by them. Now, let me let me rebut that, though, because I, I, I agree with you on some level. I, I think that there are, you know, for, as a person who's consumed sports for – 20 years or so of my life. There's two ways that you can respond to that question in, in acceptable, like sports cliche uh, interview answer. And one is no, our team is good. We competed and we're, we're pretty close to them. And I get what you're saying. The other one is the, the honest answer, which is to say like they were better than us. You know, the whole, like you are what your record says you are. It, it mm-hmm. was a, the John Harbaugh answer from after the chiefs beat the Ravens, right? Where he said, they're a better team than us right now. You know, they beat us in all phases of the game. We have to get better. And that's the answer that I feel like the Broncos should have given. Now I get that different guys have different personalities. You see this with coaches all the time. There are some coaches that are always going to give the same answers, no matter what kind of situation they're put in. Andy Belichick. Yeah. Right. It's always going to either be, you know, the, you know, they beat us, they, you know, they got, I mean, Andy is kind of that way. Like Andy is always going to give the other team props when, you you know, when the chiefs lose and he's always going to respect the opponent prior to playing the game. Right. Like it's always going to be as we saw for this, this game. Yes. For the jets. Exactly. Well, for the jets and the Broncos, I mean, all of these jabronis that we've been playing this year, (laughs) Um, but, but I feel like the, the Broncos, I don't know enough about Garrett Bulls and Justin Simmons to know how they typically answer interview questions. I think the reason they chose the answer that they chose is because they're really pissed about losing to the Chiefs all the time. I mean, we saw this last year with Cortland Sutherland, who's out for the year. Um, yes. But Cortland Sutherland was... He got fired up. I mean, he was very fired up after the Chiefs lost to the Broncos last year. And he kind of made some similar comments. I mean, he basically said, like, we're coming for the division. We're going to shake the division up. And uh-huh. he didn't have the opportunity to say any asinine things like that this year <laughs> because he's on IR and he's out for the year. Thanks a lot, Cortland Sutton, in my dynasty league. You, you douche. <laughs> But I feel like they could have gone that direction. They chose not to do that. And frankly, I think they look like fools because I think even their fans now, this this kind of segueing into, you know, the, the Denver fan base after this game, man, 
they have finally come around to what I have been saying for weeks, which is that Drew Locke is not good. And they're yeah. finally coming around to the possibility that this guy they drafted in the second round that a bunch of QB needy teams passed on more than once might not actually be their franchise quarterback. Dang, that has got to be a tough pill for them to swallow. It is. That's the big uh, separator at the moment. Uh, the, the Chiefs roster all around is better than the Broncos roster, but that is the huge separator is Locke versus Mahomes. And uh, I still find it interesting that it came from Bulls and uh, and from Simmons with them arguably being at the moment, the Broncos two best players with yeah. uh, B- Bulls having his incredible season. He's been among the very best offensive linemen in football this year. And then Justin Simmons is rightfully so an all pro safety level player. So yeah, I find that interesting that they're the two that came out and were vocal about that. But yeah, the chiefs are just much better and two numbers can signify that right now. And it's 43 and 16. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we could dive into this game. Taylor and I previewed this looking at DVOA, and the Broncos came into this game with a top five defense by DVOA. They're still top 10 coming out of it. Um, and really, the Broncos defense played fairly well in this game. The The big gap, the Broncos had a significantly better special teams unit coming into this game, which is hilarious, uh, <laughs> because obviously special teams, they got absolutely gutted in this game by the Chiefs. But the offense is the big gap. And obviously the quarterback is a huge part of that. But the Chiefs exited this game with the number one offense by DVOA. The Broncos are currently 27th. And obviously they've missed Locke for a few games. He was out. He got knocked out in the Pittsburgh game. He missed a couple of weeks. He came back. But his QBR right now is is like in the low teens. It's Mm. extremely bad. Patrick Mahomes is at 85.3, by the way, which is, you know, pretty good. Pretty good. pretty good. Yeah, Drew Locke this year might be one of the five worst quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, you look into the stats heading into this game, and you look at the stats exiting this game with EPA, with CPOE, with PFF grade, with whatever you want to look at. Drew Locke this year uh, like, uh, is just one of the five worst quarterbacks in the league, arguably. Uh, last year, when he was 4-1, and one, he was meh. He was average, at, or maybe below average. This year, he's just absolutely terrible. The the Broncos are so bad. The Chiefs actually tweeted out this thing that I thought was funny. They said, we became just the fourth team in 30 years to get a rushing touchdown, a pick six, and a kickoff return touchdown all in the first half of a game. So that's fourth team since 1990. I thought that was a little interesting. So I went back and they've had four games in franchise history, four full games with a rushing touchdown, a kickoff return, and a pick six. And three of those four games have been against Denver. <laughs> they did it just now um and they did it in 2003 against the pittsburgh steelers but then in 1969 against denver and 1963 against denver when they were still the dallas texans so uh just thought that was fun that that was um, not when they were the dallas texans that was 63? the first ever game that was the first ever game played as the kansas city chiefs we've talked about it on this podcast i've written about it for sports illustrated bro oh 597 this, this was uh this was len dawson's perfect passer rating game in the first game played as a Kansas City Chief. It was their first game played as the Chiefs in Denver. This is our first game in franchise history. We won by 52 points. This is is one that the old-timers, I had to jump in and correct you because they come after you, man. They'd be in your Lifetime fact-checking. That's right. No, I mean, that's perfect. I saw 63, and I assumed Texas. I know. 
Yeah, I know a lot about this game because I think I've actually written about it more than once. Uh, <laughs> Go back to I wrote well. about I wrote about it when I was doing a series that I'll plug from way back when I was doing the best individual performances by position in franchise history for Len Dawson with the first yeah the game balls uh, yes the first uh, perfect passer rating in Chiefs history and I think only the second in the history of the NFL uh, if memory serves me correctly and then again when I wrote about the biggest blowouts in franchise history, I wrote about uh, some of the, the greatest season openers of all time in Chiefs history. And this certainly was one. It was the first game as the Chiefs, and we won by 52. It's, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's actually the biggest margin of victory in franchise history. Or we had a 55 to nothing game, right? Um, so it might be second. It might be second. But in any case... Uh, that was the Kansas City Chiefs' first ever game in Chiefs history. It was uh, it was a blowout, but you're right. I mean, that's an incredible it's an incredible stat to have all of those things happen in a game, and then for it to happen three or four times against the Broncos, twice in the '60s when the Broncos were terrible. And I know, like, this is a big thing with Broncos fans too. I've been back and forth with several Broncos fans about this just in the past week or so. They have this idea that like because their franchise hasn't been bad since like the early seventies that their franchise will never be bad. Right. Like they have this Cardinals mm-hmm. fan mentality. I mean the baseball Cardinals, right? Like yeah, not the football yeah. Cardinals, not the football Cardinals because they <laughs> are dope. They know they are dope this year. And you guys both make good predictions with respect to the Cardinals. And I made a dumb Don't prediction right. with respect to the 49ers and the Seahawks. It's fine. Don't, Don't um, worry. I did that with the Steelers. Ooh. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's, it's all fine. It's all good. Um, the point is this, the Broncos kind of have this idea that just because, you know, their franchise has historically had a lot of success. I mean, all those blowout Super Bowl losses, notwithstanding, you know, tied for the most Super Bowl losses of any team in NFL history, worst Super Bowl point differential of all time, all that notwithstanding, the Broncos have had quite a bit of success in their history, especially since the 1960s, their, their inaugural uh, decade. But that doesn't mean that they're never going to be bad. I mean, we're talking about, you know, a team, the only thing that this Broncos team shares with those Broncos teams in the past is the name. They don't even have the same (laughs) uniforms anymore, right? Like, it's just laundry. And the only real common threads between the 2015 Broncos who won the Super Bowl in, frankly, I know, listen, people say that was one of the best defenses of all time. It's pretty good. It was like a top 10 defense of the 2010s but that was also like an all-time fluke Super Bowl champion right like that Broncos team was pretty bad let's be honest the Chiefs actually outscored them and allowed fewer points that year and the Broncos won the Super Bowl and we got bounced in the first round of the playoffs old old Chiefs to real quick put a pin in your franchise history stuff we were talking about in 63 the 59 to 7 victory was not only the most points the Chiefs have ever scored in franchise history with 59 it is also the highest point differential at 52 nice. they the second highest was a 49 nothing shutout in That's 2002 right. Very so good. i'm going to have to check out this game Yes, first game in franchise history and the Chiefs dunked all over the Broncos as they are showing so and actually this is great in all the many times that the Chiefs have played the Broncos since 1963 when that started, <laughs> their five biggest point differentials against the Broncos were all before 1970. 
So they had a 52-point win that we just talked about, and then a 46-point win in 66, a 43-point win in 67, a 32-point win in 68, and a 31-point win in 63. And those are the five biggest biggest wins over the Broncos. They were all before 1970. That's wild. That's incredible. This is yeah. part of the this is part of where the Broncos fan entitlement comes from, though, right? Like they they think that like the 1960s Broncos, like that was so long ago, we can never be that bad again. Like we we found ourselves as a franchise, <laughs> you know, we went to some Super Bowls. We had John Elway, one of the most lost overrated of- quarterbacks of all time, who lost a bunch of Super Bowls and actually wasn't good until he got a Shanahan. Whatever, it's <laughs> fine. Uh, but listen, guys, they they've been pretty bad and they're getting worse. And the best part about it for us as Chiefs fans is that they never get quite bad enough to actually get like a top five draft pick. Like they're going to pick probably around 10th this year, you know, like 10th to 12th. They're probably not going to have a top five. They're they're probably not going to have a top five pick. You know, they're just not going to get any better. Should should we segue that into the mailbag episode about about this exact topic? Might as Uh, well, right? Yeah, we could if we're done talking about the Broncos. (laughs) <laughs> they they better hope we're done talking about them because we've destroyed them. Oh um, PKS had this great question in the mailbag for us, our Polish Chiefs fan. What's up, PKS? Bird of War. Ka-ka! He said, would you prefer our division rivals to be perpetually mediocre or truly suck for a season with the risk of them losing or using the high draft pick and to draft a stud and improve and stuff like that? So, like, I think this – that's exactly what you were talking about, Austin, right? With yeah. the you, they're mediocre, and we yes. we definitely want them to be mediocre forever because they can't do anything when they're mediocre. Yeah, and they will be mediocre forever because somehow, and somehow, all the teams in the AFC West have managed to do this. Um, I mean, they they just have found a way to not ever truly bottom out, except for the Raiders. The Raiders have had some some extreme <laughs> the Raiders bottoming. Have bottomed out hard. They've, they've had some extreme bottoming seasons, but like then the seasons they bottomed out, they were drafting like Jamarcus Russell and Darius yeah. Hayward Bay in the top ten, right? Like yeah. they draft never bust did. only. Yeah, right. Draft busts <laughs> only for the Raiders when they were bottoming out, and then you know ever since they drafted Derek Carr, who you know we our thoughts on Derek Carr are well documented. You know, like they they haven't been bad enough to draft a Trevor Lawrence or a Joe Burrow or even, you know, a Patrick Mahomes at the 10th overall pick, you know, they just haven't been, they just haven't been that bad. And the Broncos have never managed to be that bad. And so, you know, really if their worst record, we saw this last year with the chargers, the chargers had the worst record in the division last year, and they still only ended up with the sixth pick, which they spent on Herbert, who's looked great, but you know, they, the 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 Broncos just the Broncos aren't going to get they might get a top ten pick but they're playing for pride they have a pretty good defense still their destiny is to end up like six and ten seven and nine eight and eight probably not eight and eight that's a little no de- no yeah that's a let's no okay but that's they're not going <laughs> to six and ten let's call it six and ten they're that's probably going to pick in the back half of the top ten and it's not going to be enough to get a guy like Trevor Lawrence and they're going to stay perpetually mediocre and so PKS Listen, this is this is living the dream. Like the Chargers are the only real threat to the Chiefs in this division going forward because they got top 10 pick. They spent it on a quarterback and we kind of dunked on them at the time because I didn't think Joe Her- or uh, I didn't think that Justin Herbert would be that good and he's been pretty good. Oh, he's he looked good. really good. He, he, he looks extremely good. I I was yeah. cautious about it as well, but uh it's become quite clear that the Oregon coaches 
uh, were a disaster for him, and now he's in a much better spot. And he's huge, and he's got a rocket arm. I mean, I'm a big yeah, fan of him. And he's made some ridiculous throws. I love Justin Herbert. Every single touchdown is a dime. It's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, they've got – if they can finally – now, obviously, what he has going against him is that it's the Chargers. And so regardless of what else is going on, what regardless of how good he is – he, they're just so. They're still charging. They're so. They're charging. They're going to charge her hard. Even they're probably going to have a top quarterback for a while. I mean, top ish. You know, top echelon, and still probably be terrible because that's just what the Chargers do. They already did. They already did for the majority of the of the exactly century. With and, and exactly right. I would put. I would have Philip Rivers in Hall of Fame consideration, and they still didn't have Ooh. playoff success. And, you know, the Raiders, as we just talked about, you know, they can draft Khalil Mack, but then they're going to flip him before they become good anyway. So, like, it it doesn't matter what they do either. They're just – these teams, all three of them, they're just inept from the top down. And I think that's really where the difference, especially recently, has shown is that, you know, with the – with the Broncos and John Elway, he's just a blind man steering that ship. I mean, he has no clue what he's doing, and it just – the, the coaching's been bad on all three of those teams. It's just, it's crazy the leadership difference in Kansas City compared to the other three. It's night and day. I mean, it's it's way, way the biggest advantage. Before we get into the next mailbag question, uh, which I yeah. am excited to dive into because you've done some good some good digging on this, Taylor. Uh-huh. I just want to take, uh, I, I, it's, it's, it's only one of two times uh, this year that we get to talk about dunking on the Broncos. So I, I just have to circle back yeah. and dig in. The Broncos are yeah. playing the Chargers this week. And it is going to be so fun because the Chargers actually did draft a franchise quarterback <laughs> who looks amazing. <laughs> and he's tall. And Elway loved you know Herbert. There was a lot of stuff linking the Broncos to Herbert. And then the Chargers are the ones that actually took him in the same division, and they got they got stuck with Drew Locke. You know, and Drew Locke's got an extra year on Herbert, and he looks <laughs> terrible. And Drew Locke, Drew Locke looks like one of the five worst quarterbacks in the NFL, and Herbert looks amazing. And the Chargers are going to come out this week, and you know, forget about measuring up to the Chiefs and having a measuring stick game. You're going to be pretty clearly the worst team in the division after this week. Chargers yep. are going to come out and dunk all over the Broncos. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be incredible. Yeah, and the the Chargers aren't going to have their, you know, starting running backs. Eckler's gone. Gordon's in Denver. I mean, they're, you know, it's not like the Broncos can or the Chargers can have a full arsenal of weapons and they're still going to go out there and run all over him. It's going to be fun. I I can't wait to see how the Chargers match up to him. Honestly, even if it's a close game, which, you know, the the Broncos are not going to blow the Chargers out. So even if it's a close game and one of those teams wins, it's still hilarious. That's still that's the team that you have to compare yourselves to Denver. That's the team that you have to say we've got to be better than them because the Chiefs are so far in front of you that it's not even funny. It's going to come down to a Brandon McManus missed field goal from 50 yards. Juicy. I can just see your menchies now. That's going to be a lot of fun. (laughs) Either either Brandon McManus or Badgley. Oh, yeah, one of them's going to shake money one badger. Of them, one of them's going to miss a field goal at the end of the game. Oh. Um, imagine those two special teams units matching up too. That's going to be it's going to be a movable force versus a resistible <laughs> object. It's going to be incredible. It, it's going to be it's going to be a disaster. I I I can't wait. I honestly I I have not been this excited for an AFC West matchup in a long time. Just I I'm very into it. It's going to be I think that's fair. Yeah, it's going to be that's must must see TV for us for sure. 
Um, so our next question, this came to us on our Discord. Um, I know we've talked about this, but we've got a little Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom Discord server that if you guys don't be scared, if, if you've never heard of Discord, it's just a chat room. We just, um, everybody sits around and bullshits about the Chiefs all day. It's a lot of fun. If you want to join us, uh, shoot me a DM on Twitter at Taylor underscore wit, and I'll get you in there. And we've got, you know, about uh, 40 plus members by this point now. So it's a good little group. Um, and we're all pretty active in there, me and Austin and Sam for sure. So, um, okay. So Jason on discord at Jason Schwinn, a bird of war asked on Twitter uh, or Jason Schwinn on Twitter asked on discord, interested to hear stat lines of Mahomes versus his rivals in games. He's played against them like Lamar Watson, Allen Trubisky, all the guys who want to be on the other half of Mahomes Brady Manning rivalry. I did a little digging and I wanted to share some of these fun numbers. I already tweeted this, but they're just so worth mentioning. Um, Patrick Mahomes in his career has faced quarterbacks that were drafted in 2017 or later 15 times. That was his draft class 2017. So all the guys, his contemporaries, nobody older than him in those 15 games, he has looked otherworldly. He always has, but he is 14 and one, which is pretty good. His one loss is to Deshaun Watson, who he beat two other times, including a playoff game. He is outscoring those players on their teams by an average of 12 points per game. He is he has thrown 4,274 yards in those 15 games, 39 touchdowns to only four interceptions, 119.1 quarterback rating. They have 3,324 yards, so about 1,000 yards fewer in 15 games, 16 touchdowns to 14 interceptions. He had 39 to four, and they're 16 to 14, and a 77 quarterback rating. So just, and this is every quarterback. Um, Jason asked about specifically his, his rivals, but this is anyone that was drafted in 2017 or later. And it just shows that Pat's just, he's just a different dude out there. He's just not at all like the people that are a young quarterback, but I wanted to specifically talk real quick about the two guys that I think most people would agree are the closest to Patrick's peers that exist in the sport, which are Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson. Those are the two guys that have physically gifted the most. They've had great teams around. Well, for the most part, I, Texas kind of suck, but you know, yeah. they, they, it's been competitive for sure. They, and they're both in the AFC. You know, they're they, both guys both that he's, in the AFC. He's played multiple played times. Each of them three times. Yeah. So the sample size is good there. And I want to just compare Mahomes' six games versus Deshaun and Lamar combined into one one quarterback. So. The head-to-head is five to one in favor of Mahomes. Obviously, <laughs> um, that's a pretty good start. The points for is two hundred and three for the Chiefs and one hundred and fifty-four for the opponents. So in six games, they've outscored their opponents by fifty points. So yeah. you know that's about eight points a game. So they're always at least yeah, exactly. No no nail biters there for the most part. Uh, the passing is. Mahomes, 159 completions in 234 attempts, and the opponents, 131 completions in 221 attempts. So the completion percentage is down for uh, the other two guys. The yards, 1,941 yards for Pat, 1,432 for Lamar and Deshaun. Passing touchdowns, 21 for Mahomes, 7 for Deshaun and Lamar. Interceptions, 2 for Mahomes, 3 for Deshaun and Lamar. Mahomes has only taken six sacks. The other two guys have taken 13 in those six games. And Mahomes does have 18 attempts rushing on the ground for 85 yards and a touchdown. They have 48 rushes. They are both extremely good at rushing for 245 yards and six touchdowns. So just in general, when you want to talk about the rivalry 
and the Manning-Brady rivalry that people keep trying to shoehorn another quarterback in with Mahomes. Every time he faces these young quarterbacks, every time they talk about, oh, is this going to be is this going to be the next one? Is 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 Baker Mayfield and Patrick Mahomes going to be the next? Oh you know, man, I forgot even Baker was a in the, the number one overall pick. Yeah, yep, I mean, no, you know, he was he was there for a hot minute. Um, he was there. He was there this week. He was. Yes. So, so, re, so the last thing I want to do is talk about the 10 quarterbacks that he's faced just to say his head to head records. He is 1 0 against Mitchell Trubisky. He beat him 26 to 3 in their one game. Uh, everyone knows the Trubisky story where he was picked second and Mahomes and Deshaun Watson were still on the board. Yikes, Bears. Uh, we just talked about Deshaun, who Patrick is 2 and 1 against Baker Mayfield. He's 1 and 0 against him, beat him 37 21. Pretty, pretty big ass kicking in Cleveland there. Josh Allen, everybody just saw that recent game. Uh, that was the only time they've played, and it was 26-17 Mahomes in that one. Um, a, a tenth overall quarterback that people forget about because he's bounced around a lot, but Josh Rosen, who did face him as a member of the Cardinals in 2018. Uh, he, did, um, he did. He was the yeah. starting quarterback there, and the Chiefs won 26-14. to and just another example of a top-10 guy that Patrick beat. Uh, we talked about Lamar and his 3-0 and Patrick's 3-0 record versus Lamar being his kryptonite, yada, yada, yada. Drew Locke, we have spent a considerable amount of time talking about him. The combined score of the two games that the Chiefs have beaten the Broncos with Drew Locke at the helm is 66-19 to Chiefs. So, like, those games aren't even close. Drew Locke has no touchdowns and three picks in those games, took five sacks. Uh, just, just bad, man. Uh, Jared Stidham, who was picked in the fourth round of 2019, um, wasn't – he didn't start the game uh, this Monday game this year, but um, obviously lost that game. And Gardner Minshew, the opener of 2019, um, obviously didn't play that first series when Nick Foles got hurt. But then Patrick beat Le- uh, Gardner Minshew's team 40 to 26. Gardner actually had one of the better games head to head against Pat that anybody had had in this class. He was 22 of 25 for 275 yards. Looked pretty good. He was Minshew Magic was. Um, in full effect there. And then finally, Justin Herbert, who also had a really good game. He had 311 yards passing. Um, it was a three point game that the chiefs won 23, 20 with those Butker kicks. So just in general, that is 14 and one for Patrick. Uh, the score of these games is 460 to 281, which is an average per game of 31 to 19. So don't give me any of this Brady Manning talk. There's none of this. There, there is no peer to him right now. There, there won't be. It's just it makes me mad. In steps Joe Burrow to uh-huh. finally maybe do it. or Kyler. <laughs> I mean, you know, Burrow and Kyler are both really nice, and they're the last two number one overall picks. Um, they've got a ton of talent. They don't have a ton of talent necessarily around them, or at least specifically Burrow doesn't. Kyler, obviously, the the Cardinals look pretty good this year. I'd love to see a Cardinals-Chiefs Super Bowl. I think that would be an amazing match. That would but, be amazing. Yes. But, you know, they're going to add another name to this list of victims this week with Sam Darnold. He was picked third overall in 2018. This clearly is going to be probably one of the bigger lopsided victories of this entire list. So there's still uh, Daniel Jones and and – uh, I guess Jordan Love, if he ever starts for the Packers and Dwayne Haskins, there's still tons of guys for Patrick to sit there and and put notches in his belt. But so far for the 10 guys he's faced, he's absolutely slaughtered them. Our last question is from Lucky Sansei on Discord. They asked how Clyde's night uh, against the Bills compared to other rookie Chiefs running backs, because that was obviously he had a great night um, against the Bills. But I ran the numbers and 
I know you guys remember Kareem Hunt's year in 2017, but the dude had five games better than Clyde's best game so far. So it he still has a ways to go as far as the best rookie performances of all time, but he still clearly had a great night. So um, Clyde had the night against the Bills, 26 rushes for 161 yards and four catches for eight yards. That is a um, – I ranked him by fantasy PPR just to kind of pull all the – running back stats into one number that you could rank. And that was 20.9 points. Good for 15th in chiefs history for any game as a rookie. Still great game. Um, Kareem had the amazing night in his first game ever. Patriots that we all remember. He had 45 PPR points that night. He had 17 rushes for 148 yards and a touchdown, five catches for another 98 yards and two touchdowns. He did have the fumble lost on his first carry, but that is the best performance by a running back, a Chiefs running back, a rookie running back in franchise history. But if you just sort by rushing yards, Clyde does have the third highest performance ever. Joe Delaney had 193 yards rushing on 29 attempts in 1981 in a 23-10 victory over the Oilers. And then Kareem did follow up in week three of his rookie year against the chargers and had a like basically a walk-off it wasn't a walk-off but it was a game ceiling 69 yard touchdown run against them and finished with 172 yards on that day so Clyde's 161 yards is the third highest rushing total by a by a Chiefs rookie so I mean he certainly he also had the 138 in his opening night and that was ninth ever um, just based on yardage so He's been, he's been, I don't know, I guess it's probably too controversial to say worth the number one first round oh, pick, yeah, but, um, but he's most certainly been a very, very good contributor to the Chiefs offense. Clyde is great. Still not worth pick 32, but Clyde is great. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good way to close out the mailbag. We appreciate everybody who contributed. Uh, as Taylor mentioned, if you want to get in on the Discord action, uh, we answer a lot of questions in there without them ever making it on yeah. the pod. And we, we've been trying to answer your Twitter questions too. Unfortunately, we're not in a position where we can answer every mailbag question ever anymore because we have actual football games to talk about. Probably once we get back into the off season, we can, you know, <laughs> go nuts with the mailbags again and we can answer all your goofy questions uh, all the time. That really got us through the off season. Yeah, it did. And we I appreciate mean, everybody's were... support. Everybody that sent in questions. We still appreciate your support. Um, this brings us guys to our final segment and we can spend as much or as little time as we want on this. The chiefs are playing the New York jets this weekend. And I don't care. I, I've, I've seen people say, you know, this is a, a trap game. I think that you, that's a strong oh. statement. I've um, liked your tweets about this. subject. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. It's impossible for the chiefs to be trapped by the Adam Gase Jets. That's impossible. They can't yeah. be trapped by the Jets because the Jets are so, so bad. The Jets are dead last in DVOA, and they're almost, Everything. they're almost twice as bad as the team in 31st, which is the Cowboys, which, woof. Oof. But the Jets are, are absolutely awful on all three phases of the game. They're terrible, they, they have absolutely no chance. I mean, their offense can't score. Their defense can't stop anybody. And their special team stinks. So your thoughts on the Jets, gentlemen? Well, I, I'm interested to see how the Chiefs approach a game like this. Because That's this fair. team specifically is extremely 
high leverage battle tested. They have been through playoff runs and they have had three Monday night games and a Thursday night game so far. And they're, you know, they're used to all the lights being on and the game mattering and everybody giving them their best shot. And I mean, this is going to be the first game for sure this year, but it probably for a while last year too, where the talent is going to be so overwhelming in the chief's favor that I'll just be interested to see if they go out there trying to step on their throats or if they maybe take it a little easier than they should. It'll, it'll be fun from that perspective because obviously it'll be like just toying like a cat toying with a mouse or whatever. I mean, they will, they will be able to do whatever they want to them. Um, So I'm looking forward to seeing their attitude. The thing that I'd be interested to see is uh, the Jets' secondary. The Jets do have some talented guys in their secondary. I was talking about it before the season to where uh, the entire AFC East has four teams of talented secondaries, and the Jets are definitely a part of it. But uh, with Brian Poole, with Marcus May, of course they lost Jamal Adams, so that hurt it drastically. And then Pierre Desir has not quite been as good as I would have expected. He's allowed five touchdowns this year. Not quite as good as some of his years at the Colts where he uh, I, I would have had him as one of my top free agent targets to go for. But he's also probably getting a ton of opportunities to give up touchdowns. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, I mean, absolutely. You know, they're, yeah. But uh, I have I have a proposal for Adam Gase and uh, all the rest with the Jets. I say that we trade for Quinn and Williams. We will spot them <laughs> 17 points in this game Ooh. for Quinn and Williams. You give Ooh. us Quinn and Williams, we'll give you a 17-0 lead. Man, first of all, that would still be pretty easy. But second of <laughs> all, I, I adore the idea of working in-game points into a trade. That's an aspect that I never even considered, and I'm so I, – I obviously would be illegal in the NFL, but I would be so into that, it's not even funny. Oh, that would that would be fantastic. Quentin Williams is a beast. I he, he is he is legitimately since Aaron Donald's been drafted, he's the closest draft prospect to Aaron Donald. He is a monster. I would love to have him in Kansas City. But if it doesn't happen, that's unfortunate. But it is Yep, I actually searched for him before this segment and got a bunch of news hits that say Jets say Quentin Williams is staying here, is not going anywhere. They shut down the trade, blah, blah, blah. Because he was Talked about because the the vultures were circling, man. I mean, the Jets had the fire sale going, and um, everybody looked at them and was going, "Ooh, you've got some pieces." I know you don't have many, but a couple that we'd like. But um, clearly, he's not part of that. The only other thing I want to talk about with this game is Le'Veon. I I'm interested to see his attitude and his performance against his former team. Um, he didn't really do much against the Steelers when he was a Jet, but nobody really jet. did anything as a Jet against anybody, so that makes sense. Um, but I am very interested. He knows that team very well. He practiced against them all the time. He, you know, knows their schemes and all that stuff. I just, I'll, I'll, I think it'll be really fun to see him run really hard and bust a big play or score a couple times. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he would love nothing more, and I'm sure the Chiefs coaching staff would try and make that happen. So um, that should be a fun matchup. I think the, the takeaway from this game is like I said, I mean, the, the jets just don't, I get the idea of any given Sunday and so on and so forth. Sure. And that's true for any NFL team that has even a below average (laughs) level of talent and even a below average coaching ability. I mean, weird stuff can happen in the NFL the chiefs could certainly come in and overlook the jets. 
thing is the chiefs are vastly more talented and they have much, much, much better coaching. I mean, we're talking about probably the worst head coach in the NFL. I mean, there's no probably about it. He is the worst head coach in the NFL. Yes. yes. Versus, yes. versus one of the two or three best coaches in the NFL with a great coaching staff around him all the way across the board. And the Chiefs are playing the Panthers next week. It's not like the Chiefs have, you know, the Bucks next week or the Ravens next week or some huge matchup that they're looking forward to. Not that the Panthers are a pushover. That'll be a really interesting game. They've, they've been pretty spunky this year. You know, Matt mm-hmm. Rule is pretty interesting. Um, they've got some pieces. They're going to have Christian McCaffrey back probably for that game. But... It, they're not a team that the Chiefs are going to be looking forward to. I mean, they're an NFC team and they're they're fine. You know, like it, it's not a huge game. So the Chiefs don't have any reason to look past the Jets. I think there's there certainly is a possibility that they come out and they don't play that hard because they don't need to. And mm-hmm. I, I, we talked about this before. I think the Chiefs this year have demonstrated an ability to kind of turn their game on and off. And, you know, they, they, they came out against Baltimore, a team that they knew was very good and they were playing on the road and that that game would have huge implications for the number one seed. And they came out and they were absolutely lights out in the first half. That's the best half of football that the chiefs have played all year. It's probably the best half of football the chiefs have played over the last two years, maybe the best half of football they've played in the Patrick Mahomes era. I mean, they were, they were incredibly sharp in the first half. And then in the second half, they got a little bit lazy and they let the Ravens back into the game a little bit in the third quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, they came back out and they were lights out again. I mean, they just have shown the ability in all of these games, except for the Raiders game, which whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah. It, it, one game. Weird stuff but yeah. happens, but but the, the the point is the Raiders are, are you know, the Raiders are good enough that if you overlook them and if you don't take them seriously, and then if you come into the game flat and you make mistakes, the Raiders can beat you. And they did beat the Chiefs this year. The Jets just aren't that team. And no. there's there's simply there's simply no way. I, no I don't way. know. No. Yeah. Yeah. Does yeah. anybody know? So, what the, does anybody know what yes. the money line is in this game? That's literally what I was about to bring Good. up. I was going to say. Speaking of Las Vegas, not, I not just read because. But the money line. What's the money line in this game? Well, uh, so the money line is probably turned off because it's a <laughs> twenty point spread, and so most most casinos won't take a money line bet on a twenty point spread because the chances of that of that team that's a twenty point favorite winning are so high that they just they just aren't interested in it. So. What I was going to say is that there are 13 times in NFL history a team has been 20-point favorites or more. And while they only covered three of those spreads, they are 13-0, and the team that was favored by 20 or more. So no team has ever defeated another team coming in as a 20-point underdog. It's just it's just not really that feasible. I mean, it, the, the point differentials on those games, only th- three of those games were under 10 points, the final score. So, like, not only is it, not really feasible for the Jets to even win. It's really not even feasible for them to keep them with. Yeah, they're probably not even going to cover. I I looked this up, and I guess BetMGM 
this was a couple days ago, so I don't know if this is still up or not. Was, they had the Chiefs, they still have a money line up? They had the Chiefs on the money line at minus three thousand three hundred thirty-four. So you would have to put up three thousand three hundred thirty-four dollars to win a hundred dollars. <laughs> Good, yes. I'm... So you know, I mean, honestly, uh, you know, that's that's not bad. I, I... That's a free hundred bucks if you've got three thousand bucks that you don't mind losing. Something I'm interested in with this game is uh, the fact that. If you look at PFF team offense grade, 31st ranked offense is Denver, and the 32nd ranked offense are the Jets. So the Chiefs, the Chiefs defense is really getting a nice little treat right now to have the two worst offenses in the NFL in back-to-back games. It, just, just magnificent timing with the schedule. Uh, just get the defense more and more confidence before they play Carolina. There is one Bovada line money line that is currently turned off and that is Jets Chiefs. Mm. So, well, whether you can bet on the game or not, you can bet that the Chiefs are going to kick the shit out of the Jets. We'll see you guys next week. It's always sunny in Chiefs Kingdom.